Well, let's focus a little bit on Vancouver politics and Vancouver budgets. Now, every year there uh, is a budget summary, a budget outlook that um, city staff prepare for elected officials. Give them a sense of, you know, what's on the books in regards to costs, what our obligations are as a city when it comes to capital costs in regards to infrastructure that has to be built, but also uh, programs that are being paid for uh, as well. Uh, I was looking at this the report today, and each year it'll be different, but one of the things that they were saying, to balance the budget over the outlook period, which is 2024 to 2028, uh, the, the, they were saying that the average property tax increase would have to be 9% each year over those four years, uh, which would equate to about an additional $116 per year for a medium strata property. But when I heard 9% every year, my eyes kind of bugged out. And so we called uh, City Councilor Sarah Kirby-Young, who is joining us now. Thank you for coming in studio today. I want to talk to you about this. 9% per year, every year for those four years, to just to stay up with costs. Am I correct there? Yeah. So first of all, thanks for having me. Good to see you. Um, And and let's back the truck up a little bit. As you said, this is a starting point and this is a regular report that uh, staff brings forward to council every summer. Um, And this outlook report assumes that, uh, as I said, the starting point assumes that we're doing everything status quo the Mm -hmm. way we've done it before. And that's certainly not the intention of this council. So again, that's if we're not changing something. So it shows a an average of 9% over the next three or four years. It was about 10.7% next year, and then it would start to decrease down to sort of into the sevens. Um, you would see that happen. But I just want to be very clear for everybody that's listening that when we approved the budget last time, we did, uh, and we heard our mayor, our mayor say loud and clear that those increases are not sustainable, and that's not what we want to continue to see because people we know can't afford and sustain that moving forward. So, so, But if you do nothing, if you do absolutely nothing and the system stays status quo over the next four years, it's a 9% on average property tax increase every single year for the next four years. So my follow-up question would be, uh, how do you reduce those costs? Are you talking about actually cutting certain programs, reducing them, or a mix of both with some property tax increase and then cuts somewhere else? Yeah, so one of the things that we did after we had to to put that extraordinary increase forward, and again, not wanting to see that moving forward, was to launch the Mayor's Budget Task Force. Um, That was in April. Uh, That group is off and running. They have a mandate to do a line item review of the budget and bring forward either opportunities for where they see duplication, for efficiencies. We're talking about things like e-comply. So you have um, automatic uh, approval of permits for the technology. So you simplify the processes. Um, And then uh, other opportunities, not just duplication, but for revenue generation. I will say, for example, recently we got a report from our independent auditor general who identified that uh, the city of Vancouver had left about $12 million on the table because it wasn't fully recovering permit fees because our permit processes were so slow. They extended to support and deliver housing over two or three years. We set them in a year. Um, There wasn't that due diligence around it. And so to give you some context, every $9 million is about 1% of property tax. That was one finding from one report from the Auditor General. We now have an entire task force and a budget task force, some super smart people that are going to be coming back with a report in October before we look at the budget. Mm -hmm. And we'll be looking at opportunities to reduce that because we're going to try to keep this to a reasonable level. It's not our intention to try to soft hit everybody with 9%. No, I admit, you know, Metro Vancouver or Vancouver itself at the city is unique in the met, in the Metro Vancouver area. You have a downtown core that people come into work. When you look at big events that happen, it's in the city uh, here. Uh, but at the same time, um, is this not a harsh reminder? 
not only for Vancouver Council, but for all councils, that you got to get back to basics. There, I mean, there has to be programs where you got to kind of say, wait a minute here, that's the provincial government's role or the federal government's role. Uh, this has been downsized us. We shouldn't be picking up the pieces here. It should be on them. That the, I mean, I, I don't. I recall, you know, two or three percent wage increases, or sorry, property tax increases, would have people howling sometimes, especially at three or four. You hit that. Now we're at eight, nine, ten percent. Does not at its core still you just you're, you're doing more than you actually need to, and I, I mean I know I'm oversimplifying things, but you know garbage pickup, potholes, community centers, that's your core mandate. There seems to be a lot more the city's doing that it probably doesn't need to be doing. I mean, it looks to me that you, you should be cutting somewhere. So one of the good conversations we're actually having right now is, the fa- is actually quantifying the downloading. And uh, you heard the $250 million number that came out last term because I asked for that to be downloaded in terms of what the, where the city had stepped in. And they saw the gaps in the spending wasn't happening. So on things like housing, childcare, et cetera. So if you think about a $2 billion budget, if you've got about $250 million bucks that the city's picking up, that's pretty significant. We can do a lot in terms of cleaning the roads, in terms of having great extended hours for libraries, all of those pieces. And so starting to pull that back, as we've seen additional investment from the provincial government, for example, in terms of childcare, but that's where the pressure points have been. And that's why you've seen sort of the levels of cleanliness haven't been there in the city. Uh, things like underinvestment in our aging infrastructure. We know we've got a huge gap. We're an older city um, and we need to invest in building the amenities back up. So that's a big part of it is that advocacy piece. Um, and when you have the aging infrastructure, it's why you have utilities going up yeah. also across the region, not unique to Vancouver, aging sewer pipes, all of that. But just to clarify, you said you're, you're, in the, you're, doing, you're providing daycare? Uh, we had prov- the city had uh, started investing in areas like you said that were not our responsibility. They were provincial in terms of childcare, so not just uh, saying okay, here's city land for it, but providing operating grants. And we're peeling that back. You're seeing reductions in investment there because the province has stepped up, and that's a provincial responsibility. So, so that was one. What, other, what are the be, other? What are the other two? Other? Housing's been another one as okay. well. Uh, the and city can provide again. Uh, we have land. It makes sense to to sort of be great partners and support that and move housing forward. We don't necessarily need to provide housing support and other grants. Again, that's the role of BC Housing in the province. So that's a big part of this review. $250 million? $250 million, I think, is actually under-quantified. I actually think the gap is bigger than that, and that came from one memo and one sort of, I think, um, review, and I think when we start digging down, and I'll be really interested to see the results of the task force, we're going to see other opportunities. Yeah, I I don't mean to be cold. I mean, I, I like to believe I have a heart. But if it's not your core business... Make sure those who are supposed to be providing that, meaning the province and, and perhaps even the feds, and it's one of the reasons where the housing issues we've gotten to this point is the feds got out of the housing business many decades ago and they need to get back into it. It looks like they are. But that seems to be huge amounts of savings there. It's huge amounts of savings, and we've got massive underinvestment in infrastructure, about a $500 million annual infrastructure gap just to renew what we already have. So sewer pipes, community centers... Um, keeping our parks clean. You saw the side of the, of the aquatic center fall off. All of that is a direct result of the fact that other things were prioritized and we underinvested in those core services, the things that a city should be doing. And so that's really about refocusing um, on the ship. So it's how can you be more efficient with technology? How can you get back to what the city is supposed to be doing? Yeah. Uh, how can you make sure you don't have some of those redundancies and you're putting the money where it needs to be? I got, I got to tell you, Sarah, I, you know, I'm just a simple boy from the suburbs. I've never seen one city with so many closures of of uh, the public pool uh, or just simple amenities. I mean, it does happen in the suburbs. We're certainly far from perfect. But Vancouver, you're in a unique place, but you're right. I mean, you don't see closures or hear about closures like this in Surrey or in Delta 
or in Coquitlam. I mean, they do happen, but certainly not to the extent that they do in Vancouver. So you Yeah, and Van- Vancouver deserves great, great amenities. We're growing. Yeah, We've yeah. got major immigration coming forward, and this is why we're so bullish on um, pointing this out so that we can actually move it forward with the province and say, look, you guys, this is where you need to be stepping up. And if you want Vancouver to move forward and support growth and welcome new residents, we want to do that and build the housing, then we need the infrastructure and amenities that goes with that. And that has always fallen solely on the city to deliver the amenities, and it's becoming incredibly more expensive. And so that's why you really need to look at how our city is funded because the property tax dollars alone uh, do not cut the civic investments that we need to see. So when you and I are here uh, before property tax time uh, next year, I'm going to assume we're going to have a conversation about some increase, a modest increase with probably some cuts along the way. You may call them efficiencies, whatever, whatever they may be, but there hopefully will be some increase, but mostly, as I said, the city finding uh, the core competency that it's responsible for and focusing on that. I think it's about focusing the investments on things that people expect us to spend the money on yeah. um, and uh, and they can actually see where their tax dollars are going. And I think we'll be having this conversation in the fall because we get that budget task force back in October and typically we'll pass the budget by December. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me.